Hello and welcome. My name is Robert. And I'm Foster. And this is the Also See Podcast, where we take an actor or a director from an upcoming release and we talk about one of their older movies that may not be as well known. Uh, this week, we're basing our topic on The Killer, which stars Michael Fassbender. So you've seen his X-Men movies, the Alien prequels, most likely 12 Years a Slave, and I'm sure you've heard lots of people talk about them in person and on podcasts. But on top of lots of other movies that I, you know, wouldn't have put together until I was putting together this opening, he, he was in a movie directed by David Cronenberg uh, called A Dangerous Method. I just I just realized that he's been in apart from those couple franchises he's been in like a lot of things that would qualify for this for like this podcast like underseen type of movies yeah yeah he's just that you know eclectic if that's how you say that word yeah, uh, no, no, I'm I'm looking him up right now as you're talking got an interesting screen presence if not always you know intense have you uh, seen hunger I haven't seen hunger. I've seen Shame and Frank. Those are the two mm, one-word titles two of his that I've seen. seen. So together we complete each other. Oh, I've seen Macbeth also. That's really good. Anyway, let's get into Fastbender in a minute um, because I wanted to do two quick notes before we really start getting into the movie. One, last week our episode was on Somewhere, the Sofia Coppola movie. You mentioned that you thought we would say Momocore about 17 times each. When I was editing the episode, I counted. <laughs> How many? I said it 11 times and you said it 7, which is maybe a little bit less than you might expect. 7-11. 7-11. Meant to be. Um, another. We've had our first couple episodes come out at this point. Uh, I want to shout out our, our buddy, friend of the pod, Rowan, uh, who said he was at least going to try to <laughs> watch the movies. I know. <laughs> um, for this podcast before listening to the episodes. Our um, first listener. <laughs> yes, we got one. Because he's like me in that he said he doesn't really like listening to podcasts about movies that he hasn't seen. And I totally get that. I frankly do the same thing, even when it's my friends on the podcast. Um, so I appreciate that he's going to at least try to keep up. Though I do have to put you on blast, Foster, because you sent me a message that said, don't tell him I said this, but Rowan is a pathological liar and also a deeply untrustworthy person. And last time I saw Rowan, I showed him a message and he said, it's not inaccurate. <laughs> I don't know. What, 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 what did I say that in response to? What made me say such a, such a true thing? Um, just behind the scenes podcasting stuff. Such a true thing. I just realized you said that. Mm, exactly. I mean, was I lying? <laughs> I'm not the pathological liar here, so. I mean, I made plans with Rowan. He showed up. I showed up. That was that was easy. Uh, that wasn't untrustworthy on that level, at least. So I'm I'm yet to see how Rowan is untrustworthy. So I'll I'll keep my eye out for that. Hmm. Um. Anyway, let's get into a dangerous method. I just wanted to throw those things out because and I. Then let's talk about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Geez. What did you think of this? Uh, I thought, um, okay, I liked the idea of the movie more than I liked the movie itself. That's my main conclusion. I think, um, I don't even think I realized what the movie was about until we talked about doing it. Like, I don't think I realized it was about Freud mm -hmm. and Jung until until literally then. I, I just thought it was like a random Cronenberg movie that had come out. Um, the premise, I think, is super duper cool. 
I like the cast. Super like duper cool. I know super duper cool. I oh mean, my gosh. I mean, that's pretty. That's really cool. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It just didn't completely land for me. What did What did you think? I so just quick context, um, which if you listen to this podcast uh, so far and going forward, you'll realize that I probably have blind spots. Um, Cronenberg is one of the big blind spots, especially like his um, bigger stuff, like The Fly or Crash or his Videodrome, Cronenberg also. Yeah, so like some of his more well-known stuff that might immediately scream Cronenberg I haven't seen. Um, But I really like A Dangerous... No, I really like A History of Violence and Eastern Eastern Promises. Uh, So I've kind of had the backwards relationship to Cronenberg where everyone thinks of him as the body horror guy. And I like him as like this psychological thriller guy. So on all that to say, I was interested in watching a dangerous method because it's more, you know, straightforward storytelling, a historical drama. Um, here, there's the roundabout way to say, I thought it was okay. <laughs> <at best. laughs> um, I thought it was really interesting. And I was really into it in like the first 35, 40 minutes. There's a lot of interesting filmmaking stuff going on. Uh, that's when Kira Knightley's performance is a little bit more dynamic and interesting. I've said interesting a lot. It's a little bit more varied. Um, and then she kind of just become, becomes a psychologist and it's a little bit less engaging to me. I thought he was doing a lot of... Jeez, inter- oh, I'm just going to keep saying this. A lot of cool <laughs> filmmaking stuff. Like I don't know if I've ever seen a movie with this many split diopter shots or at least mm-hmm. in the last 15, 20 years. Um, so I thought all that was cool. But then at about that 35, 40 minute point, it kind of just abandons everything interesting that it was doing and becomes a historical drama where these people are writing letters and looking and screaming and talking wistfully at each other. Yeah. I, that's why I say like, I really like the idea of it. And right. like the, the setup I think is pretty cool. And I, I don't mind the idea of framing it around Kira Knightley's character either, which the idea is right. like rather than it just being a straight uh, Freud or Jung biopic, it's told through the perspective of this woman who starts out as Jung's patient and then becomes uh, rises up the ranks to be like a, a colleague of his essentially. Um, right. And then they have a whole you know romantic thing going on as well. Um, so I think that's a pretty interesting way to do it. Um, I don't know. The conversations just weren't as interesting to me as I hoped that they would have been, you know, from these two like psychology giants. I just right. felt like I wanted it to be. I, I My favorite part of the movie was probably just early on when they were doing their studies like Jung was or mm-hmm. when Jung was doing the um like word association and dream therapy type stuff with with patients and having Keira Knightley help him out with that. I thought that was kind of interesting. And I was like, I'd like to actually see more of their work. Yep. Um yeah, and I understand why they're telling it through the Keira Knightley lens, because I guess the idea is this woman had an impact on Jung and his philosophy of psychology, essentially, and we're seeing like how the personal lives intermingle with the professional lives and how it you know gives rise to the what we know about psychology today, yada, yada, yada. But it's just like, I don't know, it just didn't land for me as it didn't have that like feeling of significance that I felt like it should have had. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. That being said, I still think it's a decent movie. And just to say like some positives, I think the performances, two out of three of them really work for me. I actually (laughs) 
did not love oh, Kira Knightley in this. Okay. Yeah, I have to confess, and I actually like Kira Knightley and other things, so it's not nothing against oh, yeah. her. But mm-hmm. I thought she was like crazy over the top in this movie, and I, I it worked partly, but maybe it just was like it didn't mesh with the tone of the rest of the movie for me. I don't think it's her fault necessarily. Um, Can I ask like, quickly? Does she have like a bad reputation that I don't know about? Because you say I actually like Kira Knightley, and like, is that a unpopular opinion? Uh, if you ask my mom, my mom is okay. not a fan of Kira okay. Knightley, and so I grew up in an anti Kira Knightley household, and so I, gotcha. <laughs> my mom just watches Kira Knightley. Like if we were watching Pirates of the Caribbean when I was younger, mm-hmm. my mom would be like, "She used to close her mouth." <laughs> <laughs> not even in like talking way but i guess she just like her mouth hangs open when she's not talking and she's listening she to people. does have a way about her yeah yeah this is coming Anyways. i just watched pirates of the caribbean all three of them a few weeks ago so I, that's fresh <laughs> in my mind no so like my mom just has like a few crazy opinions about people gotcha, she doesn't gotcha. like Kira knightley she doesn't like jim carrey and i'm sure there's other people on the list and so like well, when i was younger i used I'll to back think her like up on oh, the jim carrey one Oh, you you don't like Jim Carrey? I can't do the over the top. His his version of oh. over the top. Like yeah. Will Ferrell's another over the top, but I love Will Ferrell. But there's something just too obnoxious about Jim Carrey for me. Yeah, my mom hates Will Ferrell too. Yeah. <laughs> just as you said that. Anyways, yeah. so I, I just feel like I'm coming to her defense a little bit. But yeah, I, I thought she was kind of over the top in this. Not I almost felt like I think I saw a letterbox review that was like she thought she was in a Cronenberg body horror movie the way she was like contorting herself and like the stuff she's doing with her jaw, which like I get she's playing like a a patient who has like an actual ailment. But I don't know. It was just like a little bit too much. I, I thought Michael Fassbender was actually incredible in this. So it's mm-hmm. good that we're talking about him, you know, for this for this episode, because his was my favorite performance of the movie. I thought Vigo was great, too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Not mind blowing necessarily, but I'm curious what you thought of those three. Kira Knightley is the one where I'm like, that's the performance where I thought she was almost over the top at the beginning, like you're saying. Um, but then as she starts like figuring herself out um, and getting better and getting into, you know, the practice of being a doctor herself or a psychologist herself, that kind of lessens. And then I think her performance becomes less interesting because to me, at least it's a little bit interesting when she's doing the jaw contortions and, you know, acting as if she's going through stuff you know the character is going through stuff yeah. i don't know if i thought it was bad or if i didn't like it i just i think it was probably what cronenberg wanted right uh or else because she's the only one who's going so far over the top you know you would have to say you have to notice that something is different um and point it out if you're the director someone as established as him anyway yeah i thought she was okay but I really did like Vigo and Fassbender more. I'm not going to like argue with you and say that I think Vigo is so much better than Fassbender, but I'm not going to lie. This may have been my favorite Vigo performance outside of Aragorn. Like I thought he was a lot of fun and doing some really interesting things. There it is again. Interesting. Um, He's playing Freud, which at like a later stage in his life and career, so it's cool to see him already so set in his ways and almost inflexible. Um, and I really like this one shot where he says something about he's open with conversations around his family. And then you don't know that his family was sitting at the dinner table. And then it just cuts to like seven <laughs> yes, kids. Yeah. Um, he plays this really dry character in a way that kind of only he does. 
and he's he's I know been buddies with Cronenberg for a while. Cronenberg actually acted in Vigo's directorial debut, so um, the movie Falling. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, I have not. It's worth a watch. Anyway, I yeah, I really enjoyed him. Fastbender, I think, is doing something a little bit more subtle um, than Vigo, but I still think that it works. Uh, my main note that I wrote down was just Vigo's beard and Fastbender's little glasses. <laughs> there it is. That's the that's the review. That's all you need. Yeah. By the way, David Cronenberg also has acted in Jason X, the tenth Friday the Thirteenth movie. I just thought I'd throw that little bit of trivia in there. So he's got a very a very uh, diverse acting resume on top of directing a dangerous method, a film that Robert would describe as interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I haven't seen Friday the Thirteenth A through W, so I will get to mm. X eventually. Bummer. Yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry for that detour. Um, I just think the movie itself, the, p- part of what it is that that makes the Keira Knightley performance stand out to me is just how subdued yeah. everything else is. Which, like by and large, I really like. Like I, I love David Cronenberg, and I think his mm-hmm. style um, does shine through here a bit. I mean, it's definitely closer to like a traditional biopic sort of thing than than I think he's ever done, at least from what I've seen. Um, but like, I think just the way the camera lingers and the the way it's edited, I feel like there's just a weird sort of inherent tension just in the way he films things that, um, yeah. uh, I mean, I won't lie. There's some moments that maybe bored me just a little bit, but there were other moments in where the silence really worked for me and I was kind of lulled into it. Um, and of course I think, I think Michael Fassbender and Vigo are both really good. Uh, I think it's also a very, good looking movie like there are a lot of cool shots in here i mean you mentioned the split diopter shots but like just every conversation just seems like it's filmed in a very interesting way and like some of the sets it reminds me have you seen barry Barry linden (laughs) interesting have you seen no i haven't i haven't yet no so there were just some shots that was like kubrick blind spot i'm so i'm obsessed with that movie i think it's great i there were just some shots in this movie that i was like oh my gosh barry linden like it just took me out like how how cool some of those sets looked and the way it was filmed and uh some of the shots on the water too i think um yeah yeah those boat boat shots were nice yes uh you mentioned that it's uh very cronenberg in the way that it's shot and at least from what i've seen because i mentioned eastern promises and history of violence i've also seen uh, crimes of the future which mm-hmm. i didn't didn't enjoy but like i got the uh themes from it so this feels thematically like what i kind of understand cronenberg to be in some ways where he goes into some more like maybe twisted or uh taboo sides of human sexuality Mm -hmm. um i and if i understand correctly that's what crash is about right like very much so i actually haven't seen okay i think it's something like that uh i heard crash being uh i think it's a family movie yeah, the the 2005 Best Picture winner. Um, <laughs> I, I heard it be connected to <laughs> Titan or Titan or however you say the French word, which, you know, the, the car sex movie from a couple years ago. Uh, so that's kind of why I associate Crash with that. Anyway, what? No, this is just, we're turning into like blank check with like increasingly layered obscure references. Okay. I love it. <laughs> Nobody has any idea what's going on, but continue. All I'm saying is that obviously with with this being uh, 
about Freud and Jung, there's lots of talk about sexuality being the driving force of human interactions. Um, and the other auto something auto glass. Um, oh yeah, I know who you mean. Um, it's Vincent Cassano plays him. Yeah. Auto gross. Anyway, auto gross. I was close. Yeah. Anyway, it just fits into that kind of thematic idea that Cronenberg has on his mind a lot in his movies. Um, and that's typical of prolific directors, right? Is that they just kind of play variations on the same theme. I just saw Killers of the Flower Moon and Scorsese is doing the same thing, where it's just like playing a different variation of the same, we're deeply messed up people. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed getting into that different perspective from Cronenberg in this case. Yeah, so going off uh, this idea of like his 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 theme and how it's explored in this movie, this is a quote from Cronenberg on the use of the sex scenes in this movie that I thought was pretty fascinating. Cool. He says that um, between specifically Michael Fassbender and Keira Knightley, mm-hmm. uh, because Keira Knightley, we find out, has this sort of childhood trauma relating to her father, um, where, man, something like, uh, I have it open in the other tab. When she was younger, she was, uh, I'm just reading from the Wikipedia, she was triggered by the humiliation and arousal she felt as a child when her father spanked her. Um, and it kind of creates this sort of weird uh, sort of, you know, sexual thing within her into adulthood. And then we see that explored in the scenes with her and Michael Fassbender. Anyways, this is the quote from Cronenberg. He says, these were people who, even when they were having sex, they were observed or they were observing themselves having sex because they were so interested in their reactions to things. So it's like, even the way it's shot and the way you see their reactions, like looking at themselves in the mirror or whatever, as it's happening, it's like, it's almost like it's an experiment. It's like not even romantic in that way. It's just like, they know that they are sort of fulfilling some strange psychological baggage from their childhoods. And they're just fascinated by it as they're doing it, if that makes sense. So there's like mm-hmm. things within this movie that are really fascinating in the way that they're explored. My word of the day seems to be fascinating. Yours seems to be interesting. <laughs> interesting. Uh, seems like there's a lot of intrigue going around today. Um, but anyways, that was something that I that I appreciated from the movie too. So like I said, I really like the ideas of, of the movie and there were moments where it really clicked for me. And yeah. that quote kind of unlocked something for me when I read it. Yeah, I want to go off that real quick because um, I typically enjoy looking for you know visual ideas and visual messaging in film because that's what's so interesting about movies movies to me um but like you were saying kind of at the top of our conversation about this movie is that it kind of bores you at some points and it kind of drags here and there and it gets less interesting as it goes on so kind of once it got to those sex scenes i was already a little bit less invested so i noticed that there was a lot of perspective through the mirror of their sex and i thought that was really interesting and i wrote down a note significance of mirrors question mark because i was going to bring that up um so i'm glad that you brought up that quote from cronenberg because um that really answers what i was wondering about and um so i think it speaks both to his intent and his execution right because i like the intent but it's the coming back to what we've said a, a thousand times already the execution just wasn't totally there because for me i wasn't invested to really like try to figure out what the meaning of those shots was anymore i almost wonder if like having read about it after the fact if i were to rewatch this movie i might have a deeper appreciation for it and also knowing what to expect from 
Keira Knightley's performance in particular. I also wonder mm. if I'd appreciate the movie more on a second watch. I don't know if I'm motivated to do that right now, but I just have a suspicion. I don't really have much else to say about this. Neither do I. I I, I feel like I've pretty much covered everything that I that I care to say about this movie. Um, oh, here's here's the last thing that I'll say is that Hulu is where I watched this. It recommended to me um, the movie called Sleeping with Other People based on this movie. Or I don't know if that's because I added it to my watch list on Hulu or if it's because it recommended it based on the movie. Either way, I thought it was a funny little thing because it's just like a... Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that movie. I, I have it on there because I enjoy three-star rom-coms and that's what I expect that movie to be. Um, but just based on the title, I thought it was fun. Do you want to get into our grids? I would love to get into our grids. Let's do it. Dangerous Method. Interesting. Fascinating. Not much else. I mean, those are two good adjectives. <laughs> the amount of times we said that, you'd think it was like a 10 out of 10. I know. All right, I'm opening the grid. I will read through the rows and the columns, maybe. Yeah, go for it. So here's our grid. At the top, we have Samuel L. Jackson, released from 2005 to 2015, and released from 2016 to 2023. And then on the left side, we have Elizabeth Olsen, Channing Tatum, and produced by Pixar. Cool. Let's get into it. And we're back. I was saying this while we were paused. This was a disaster for me. I got five. I I always get the year ones wrong whenever these come up. You got um, five out I of got nine? five out of nine, yes. Oh, okay. I did fine then. I got eight out of nine. Okay. Let's start real quick. What did, like what was your score? Uh, two, zero, seven, two. I got twelve fifty eight. Top sixty six point three percent of players, which is <laughs> like I said, probably the worst I've ever done. Under pressure, <laughs> I, I'm I'm crumbling. I am top fifteen point nine percent of players. Good for you. All right. Thanks. I put Age of Ultron for Elizabeth Olsen and Samuel L. Which Marvel movie did you choose? I did Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Uh, that was mine. Was thirty eight point five percent. What What was yours? I'm curious what'll get better. Two point six. Okay. Not to brag. Well, that's because uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen only pops in as a post credit scene. In Civil War, is she the? No, no, no. Winter Soldier. Oh, you you said Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. Then that was a good one. Yeah, nice. Yeah, thank you. I was pretty proud of it. What about Elizabeth Olsen released from 2005 to 2015? What did you put down? I didn't get it. I what? guessed I guessed Wind River uh, trying to oh. get get a non-Marvel answer because I think that's the only non-Marvel movie I could think of from her. And okay. uh, that was, I think, 2017. Hmm. I did Martha Marcy May Marlene, which is a movie that she was in where she was like a cult member. It's with her and John Hawks. It's a pretty good movie. <laughs> uh, can you say that title five times fast? Uh-huh, I could try. <laughs> Do it. Really? Okay, here we yeah. go. Martha Marcy May Marlene, Martha Marcy May Marlene, Martha Marcy May Marlene, Martha Marcy May Marlene, Martha Marcy May Marlene. Boom. Mic drop. All right. I I got to respect it. Good for you. Uh, Thank you. My top uh, right from... Yeah, 2016 to 23 was Wind River. I was just like... Oh, you put it in. What percent was that? 13.2. Okay, yeah, so that was better than me. I did Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. I got 30.9%. Yeah, she's probably the second lead in that one, right? 
She is, I think, probably, yeah. Uh, what about Channing Tatum and Samuel L. Jackson? Did you get one for that? You know what? Now I'm realizing they were in Hateful Eight. Yeah, I, I just looked at the show results here, and that was the most common one, and I feel like kind of a kind of a dummy. Were they both in a Kingsman movie? Mm, or was one... They were, were they in different each? Kingsman movies. Okay, I've only seen the first one. So that Who's was Samuel L. Jackson, and Channing okay. was in the second one, The Golden Circle. Man, which I, I guess actually the Golden used. Circle... Okay. Okay, so I okay, we'll go we'll get there in a second, but then Channing Tatum from two thousand five to twenty fifteen, what did you put down? There's a movie speaking of me enjoying to watch three star rom coms, uh there's a movie that's been popping up on streaming services for a while that I have yet to get to, but it's called Ten Years and it's mm-hmm. got like a killer cast. It has like Channing Tatum, Oscar Isaac, and a bunch more that I could look up. It was That's 2%. a killer cast. Yes. Is what percent? Point two. Oh, you beat me. I thought I had a good one. Channing Tatum, I... Rosario Dawson, Chris Pratt, Justin Long, Max Minghella, Oscar Isaac, Aubrey Plaza, so Kate Mara, <laughs> Anthony Mackie. Like I said. Anyway, I've never heard of any of them. So I put down, <laughs> <laughs> I put down Foxcatcher, which had one point nine percent, which was a smaller percent than I thought. I thought more yeah. people would put that down. Did he get nominated for that? No, I think Mark Ruffalo and Steve Carell both did, though. Okay. That's probably my favorite Tatum performance. Hmm. I then, for 2016 to 2023, that's where I put Kingsman the Golden Circle, which only 4% of people put that down. I thought Magic Mike XXL would fit in there, but it didn't. Apparently, it was before 2016. So I got goose eggs on two Channing Tatum squares. You could have done Last Dance, right? Yeah, but I thought that would be fresher on people's minds because it just everybody's putting that. <laughs> yeah, everyone's putting Magic Mike. Uh, what Pixar movie has Samuel been in? Oh no, you didn't forget that one. He's Frozone. Frozone, of course. In The Incredibles, and then I put Incredibles two, which got me twenty five point one percent. See, I missed so many other ones. I think I did a couple guesses for other squares that i didn't even get to guess on this one or like give it any thought i just gave up mm-hmm. i went with good dinosaur for 05 to 15 and that was 6.2 percent. so i was happy with that at least i went with monsters university which got me 4.5 percent. oh my gosh the monsters university anyway onward was my last one for 6.3 and i did luca with 9.4 percent for my last one well there you have it the first disaster of a grid Oh, man. For one of us. <laughs> For one of us. The only one of us. Never mind. That was going to be too far. Whoa. <laughs> the only one whose score matters. <laughs> because Ugh. I'm personally very competitive. Even with myself, I can't handle getting low scores. I'm also competitive, but I'm happy right now with how this turned out. I, oh, I of course enjoyed... you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. <laughs> I suppose I had a fun time. You can follow us on Letterboxd at Robert Sots and at FOSTH101. And if you're enjoying the show, like our buddy Rowan supposedly is, uh, let us know. Like, rate, subscribe, comment, share, uh, listen more, whatever you do for podcasts. Um, <laughs> re-listen. Re-listen over and over because you just love hearing me say interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting word. Next week, uh, Taika Waititi's Next Goal Wins is coming out. 
So in honor of that, while we could have been talking about another Michael Fassbender movie, we decided to go with a Taika movie. And we're going to do Eagle versus Shark. And I'm very much looking forward to talking about that. So yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time.